0: All right. Well, hey, good morning. How we doing this morning? Great. It is uh, good. It's good to be here at the Museum District Campus. Um, really glad that you're here. If this is your first time, glad you're here. Um, also, welcome to those of you that are joining us out at the Timber Grove Campus at 8200 Washington Avenue. If we haven't met, whether you're here or at Timber Grove, my name's Cale. I'm one of the pastors here. I pastor out at our Timber Grove Campus. Um, so they're joining us right now. I love you guys. Timber Grove Campus, um, I am glad that I can be with you in this way. Um, even though I'm here. And also those of you that are joining us online, hey, glad that you're with us. Uh, however, whenever, wherever you're watching this, glad you're a part of the Story Church. All right, so today what we're gonna do is we are going to continue the series that we're in that Pastor Eric so affectionately titled for us, The Summer of Love. So that's what we're in. We're in the Summer of Love here at the Story Church. So we're in week two of this series. And what we're, what we're doing in this series is we are exposing the seven, we would say the most common lies about dating, sex, and marriage. So what we wanna do is, is we want to focus, we want to give clarity where there's confusion with dating, sex, and marriage. And where we're focusing the first four weeks of this series is specifically on dating. So specifically on Christian dating and what lies not to fall for and what truths to stand on. And, and why I think there is so much confusion in the dating world today is because dating is a a relatively new phenomenon. Dating, the, the word dates or dating has only been in our vocabulary since 1916. It's only about 100 years old. And so the Bible, it doesn't really speak to dating. In the ancient Near East, in the first century when the Bible was written, they didn't have the concept of dating. It was arranged marriages, and arranged marriages really was the majority of human history. And, and we go from arranged marriages, and then we went into this, this, uh, this concept of calling or courting. You may have heard of this. So calling and courting, it's more familial, or it's more community-based, what, what we know as dating. And then dating comes on the scene in the early 20th century, and dating originated the word. It came into our vocabulary with what some call the oldest profession in the history of the world. Men would financially secure dates with ladies of the night, That's how this term originated. And so no wonder why there's so much confusion and why there's so much, what, what I see is woundedness on the dating scene. And So we want to give clarity where there's confusion. We want to talk about the why and the who and the what behind dating. And If you were here last week, Pastor Eric, he launched us with the why of Christian dating that the only purpose, the only goal in dating as a Christian is marriage. It's not kids, it's marriage. It's the only purpose of dating is marriage. And so here's the lie that we're going to talk about today. Lie number two It's that the secret to dating success is quantity. It's a lie. We've been fed a lie that dating is a numbers game. And I don't know if this is a residual of, of how the word dating came into our vocabulary, but I also think it's a result of the rise of online dating. Dating apps, the, the goal of a dating app really is to for you to swipe as many times as you can, to get as many matches as you can, to go on, I guess, as many dates as you can in order to find the one or your soulmate or the right person. Um, I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not looking down on dating apps. I actually met my wife through a dating app. We'll talk about that in a second. But... That is a lie, the more the better is a lie and this lie has potentially led to what I would say is either the most ingenious or the most insane invention that has ever graced the 21st century and that invention is called the Tinder finger swiper. Hopefully not too picky. But if I'm I'm honest, looking at that, look, 10 years ago, I actually thought that seemed like a logical strategy because I knew this strategy to be successful in other areas of my life. If you're not familiar with my story, uh, I spent a decade in the commercial finance industry. And so I was was a sales manager at the, the company that I worked for. And so every Monday morning, we'd have a sales meeting. And every Monday morning, I would preach to my team, sales is a numbers game. The more people, the more potential clients you can get in front of, the more potential clients you can get on the phone with, the more potential clients that you can have a targeted email blast to, the more clients you'll have in your portfolio. It's it's true. And and that strategy worked. My company, we grew about 20 times. It it, it, it It was a good strategy. And it was good for the goal that we had to get more clients. And I would even say the more, the better. You can even, we can even use that in the church world. Like the more, the better for evangelism, reaching people for Christ. The more people we can reach for Christ, the better. The more people we can put the gospel of Jesus in front of. The, the more people that, that can come to know the, the life and the freedom and the truth and the grace that we can find in Jesus Christ, the more, the better. We have missionaries look that are doing some amazing things to the ends of the earth. The more people the better. That's a good strategy for the goal that it's intended to be. But with sales, the goal is to have more clients. You can never have too many clients. you can just build a bigger building, it'll be fine. The goal of evangelism of reaching people, you can never overpopulate heaven. Like that strategy works for that goal. The problem is is that the strategy that works for those goals, dating, has the exact opposite goal. Dating is not the more the better. The goal of dating is one. It's one marriage. So we need to rethink the strategy because quantity is not the secret success to dating. I found it to be the problem because every single time you meet someone, every single time you match with someone, every single time you're on a date with someone, you have what seems to be an infinite amount of options in your pocket. It's this facade that you have just an infinite amount of options at your dating disposal. And, and A, that's, that's a lie, but it also, it leads to what, what some, what some uh, theologians or even scholars would call the paradox of choice. Have you heard of this? The, the paradox of choice. Let me, let me put it on the ground for us. Paradox of choice, think about milk, Okay. I wasn't old enough to know what the milkman did or how he came to your house, but some of you may be. So the milkman would come to your house, I assume. He'd come to your house and say, hey, would you like some milk? You say, yep, and he said, here's your milk. I don't know, you have one, two options, maybe three if you're rich, I don't know. But you had fewer options, and I imagined you liked the milk that you were given. And I don't know if you've been to your local coffee shop recently, but I did, and and I asked for, hey, I'd like coffee. And they say, do you want milk? I said, yep, and they said, well... We have almond milk, coconut milk, oat milk, soy milk, hemp milk, like cashew milk. I, there's so many, hemp milk, like there's so many types of, of milk. And, and the other day I was paralyzed by the choice that the barista gave me. She said, you can have potato milk. <laughs> potato milk. I almost died from <laughs> confusion. But what, what happens in the paradox of choice is that the reality is the more options that we have, the less satisfied we are with the choice that we make. The fewer options that we have, the more satisfied we are with the choice or the commitment that we make. And so what we need to do when it comes to dating is we need to filter down our options. Quantity is not the secret to dating success. Quality is. So the truth is that the secret to dating success is quality. The goal of Christian dating is to ultimately have one godly marriage, not a hundred hot dates. It's just, that's not the goal. And one godly marriage is worth waiting for. I found this secret of success to be true in my my own life. So about 10 years ago, um, I was on the dating scene. Um, they had online dating. So I was on the online dating scene and I used kind of this strategy that I had for, for, for my job. I used it in the dating scene. And so I would swipe and swipe and swipe and swipe as many times as I can. I would try to get as many matches as I could. And I would try to go on as many dates as I could because the goal that I wanted was, was actually a good goal. I wanted to marry a Christian woman. It was my goal. I wanted to marry the woman that God wanted me to marry. My strategy was just Terrible. Foolish, because what, what happened was I tried to put the filters on the back end and not the front end, and the dates I went on were disastrous, and the women would say the exact same thing, like disastrous, that we just didn't have any expectation. It was just, it was a mess, and so what happened in that season of dating, disastrous dating that I would call it, I, I took a step back, because what I found, I just, I didn't want to wait. I lacked patience. And so I took a step back and, and, I, and I prayed. I, I knew I wanted to marry a Christian woman. I, I, I knew that. I knew that goal, but I prayed to God. I wanted to give him my dating life. And so I said, God, whenever and however you want me to, to marry this woman, help me wait. Help me be patient. And it was, and it was honestly, it was, it was clarity for me. Because I said, the next woman that I'm going to go on a date with, she's going to passionately pursue Jesus more than me. And so I know that it doesn't always work like this, but the next date that I went on was with a stunning kindergarten teacher who now works at the story, who is my wife and the mother to my children. Uh, Quality is always better than quantity. Uh, I know, look, I know it doesn't always work like that. And I'm not saying don't go on dates. I'm saying don't go on dates with the wrong people. And so, so what do qualities look like in a quality potential spouse? Like, what do they look like? And that's when we need to look to Scripture. And remember, the, the Bible doesn't, Talk specifically about dating, but what it does talk a lot about is the characteristics we can find in a spouse, godly, noble characteristics that we can find in a spouse. And and we find it, I think, the perfect example in Proverbs 31. So you might be familiar with the chapter of Proverbs 31, it's the wife of noble character. And so Proverbs was written by the wisest man that's ever lived, his name was Solomon. And so he writes, it's the last chapter in this book, and it's Proverbs 31, and where I think we can see is the qualities that we can find in a potential spouse. And so if you're looking for qualities in a potential spouse, the, A, look to Scripture, and then we're gonna see what Proverbs 31 says. And the first one is trustworthiness. Are they worthy of your trust? This is 31.10, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies, Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Is the person worthy of your trust? Are they worthy of you trusting them with your finances or with your future children or with your body when you get married? Are they worthy of your trust? Don't compromise on that. Are they trustworthy? And then the second one that we see, and this was really interesting to me. So 11 of the 21 verses that Solomon talks about the noble characteristics, 11 of the 21 are hardworking verses. So over half says, are you hardworking? And so this is is one of them. And so this is, she gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's a boss. Like hardworking, and, and an important distinction here, it's not what type of job he or she has. It's not how much money or the salary that he or she makes. So are they hardworking? Do they work hard with a purpose? Are they hardworking? Then third is, are they servant-hearted? This is Proverbs thirty-one twenty. She opens her arms to the poor, extends her hands to the needy. Do they serve? How do they treat people? Do they value others above themselves? Are they servant-hearted? So qualities that we need to look for as we date. And then the last one, I think if you have the last one, then you have the first three. And so the last one that we see in Proverbs 31, this is the second to last verse, this is, does she or he fear the Lord? Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord should be praised. The filter isn't charming or are they charming, or are they beautiful? The filter is character. Do they have character? Are they trustworthy? Are they hardworking? Are they servant-hearted? Do they fear the Lord? Do not compromise on character. Don't compromise on character. Because saying yes to these filters, that, that will mean saying no to other filters. But do not compromise. On character. So how do we practically date? Okay. Quality over quantity. Makes sense. Filter on the front end. Okay. Proverbs 31 characteristics. All right. Sounds good. But how do we practically do that? How do you practically date with the intent to marry? And so we're going to see three ways. I'm going to provide or eliminate three ways. And the first is dating with discernment. Date with discernment and discernment starts with you. So this might be controversial to say, but if you're single and you're a Christian and you are are not dating for the purpose of marriage, you should not date. I don't care if you're 20 or if you're 80. There's no such thing as casual dating as a Christian. You, you, You shouldn't just date around. If you have no intention to marry, you shouldn't date. And so the first thing you need to discern is you need to ask God to search your heart and see if your motives, if your intentions are ready to date. Because if you are not, it will be devastating to you and the person that you're dating. And so here's what you might need to do. You might need to take a step back. The wisest thing that you maybe need to do if you're, if you're discerning is to take a step back and maybe get into a group of, of men or of women to grow in your faith. Maybe you need to take a step back, and maybe you need to talk with someone. Maybe you need to to get a a solid Christian counselor to talk through some things. We have resources for you. I'd, I'd love to talk with you about it. Maybe you need to take a step back, and you need to ask God for the forgiveness, for the strength to forgive your ex. Maybe you need to ask God for the strength to forgive yourself. Like Dating with discernment, it starts with you. And so ask God if you're ready and ask God if you have the characteristics of the Proverbs 31. Like if you have it, then, then I would say that, that you're ready. And, and I would, I would, my hunch is, is that most of you are ready. Like, like most, of, most of the singles that I know that are in, in the church and around the church, you're ready to take that next step. And so the first thing is date with discernment. That's about you. And then the next step is to date discriminately. And that's about who you date. So date discriminately, who should you date? And so obviously the Proverbs 31 characteristics, that's great, but, but, but what does that practically look like? Like how do we put that on the ground for us? And so what I think helps us is, uh, is we have this men's discipleship movement in, in the story. It's this kind of deep discipleship movement that we're praying that's going to change the city of Houston. And so it's, it's, it's men that are on our knees in prayer and studying scripture together. And so what we want to do is, is we want God to multiply it. And so when, we, when we're talking about, hey, how should we invite guys into it or the target audience, who are the men that we want to invite into this movement that God is doing to grow in our faith together. And so what we found, we were unanimous in our discernment. We prayed to God. We asked him the characteristic that we want for a man to get involved in this. And he gave us an acronym. And so we decided to look for fat men. And that doesn't mean a dad bod. It's an acronym, acronym, and it means this. It means faithful, available, and teachable. And I think the same thing can apply for dating. Like faithful, look, on on the bare bones, like do they have faith in God? Are they faithful are they, are they available? I think it's self-explanatory on the dating scene. Like, are they actually available? And then teachable. What that word teachable means, are they humble? Do they think they know everything about everything? Are they teachable? Are they humble? Do they live their lives in humility? Are they faithful, available, and teachable? And I think sometimes when we, when we hear Christian sermons or we hear like pastors, we talk about like who to date, like the, the, the funnel is so narrow that it's like you can only date a male or female pastor. So it's like, well, there's there's one person maybe I don't like there's no one they have to know the the scriptures cover to cover, and and I think what I want to boil it down to is faithful, available, teachable. Do they desire to follow Jesus with you? Like, what's their desire? Do they desire to follow Jesus with you? And when I think about this kind of person, I think about a couple that's that's at our Timber Grove campus. And so it's, a, it's an awesome couple and they're dating and it's a young woman who has all the Proverbs 31 characteristics. She's fantastic. And her, her boyfriend, who, who I met a little under a year ago, he's just an awesome guy. He's, he's fantastic. He's, he's faithful. He's available. He's teachable. But here's, here's, his, here's his thing. He doesn't have it all figured out. He doesn't, have like, he, he doesn't know everything and, and admittedly so. And so he brings his questions And you know what he does is he shows up all the time. Church on Sundays, helping with a group, anything that that we ask of him, he's like, yes, maybe that sounds good. Like, he is faithful, available, and teachable, and he just shows up. And I pray that they don't date for long. I pray that ring's coming soon. Um, You might know who you are, buddy. Uh, But... (laughs) It's great. He desires to follow Jesus with her. It's his desire. And I love that. And I know that's silly, but character matters more than anything else. Character matters more than anything else. And that means, ladies, that means character matters more than height. And I, I came across this meme the other day that I love. And it says, God, please send me a good man. And he sends one. He's like, ooh, not this one. He's 5'9". nine. <laughs> Character matters more than anything else. Don't compromise on character. Date someone who values a God-honoring relationship as much as you do. Because on the opposite end, I was, I was talking with, uh, with a group of friends after our Wednesday night Bible study at the Timber Grove campus. And, and, and in that group, there's, there's a young woman and she's on the dating scene and she's fantastic. She's a Proverbs 31 woman as well. And she was talking about uh, her, her dates recently And she says she went on on a couple dates with a guy who seemingly checked every single box. Christian, belonged to a church, or so he said. He was handsome, like great guy, great job. And they went on, on a first date and it was fantastic. Great date. They go on a second date. Awesome. So she's starting to get her hopes up a little bit and they go on the third date. And the very first thing he says when he sits down with her, all right, now that it's third date, when are we gonna sleep together? She was devastated, but, but the reality is, is that he did her a favor, showed his true colors, he revealed his character, and she did not compromise. She didn't go on another date with him. And So on one end, we have to know the character that we're looking for, and on the other end, we cannot compromise on the character. We have to know the, we have to know the opposite of the character that we're looking for. So this is Hebrews 13. It says, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed be kept pure. Date someone who values marriage the same way that you do, and more importantly, values marriage and you the same way that God does. So date with discernment, date discriminately, and then finally date decisively. And I think this last one is the one that's lacking the most on the dating scene. We're just lacking clarity, lacking decisiveness on the dating scene. So a couple ways to date with decisiveness is first, know what you're looking for and go for it. So Christian men and women, can I encourage you for a second? There is nothing in the scriptures that says you cannot ask out a guy or a girl that you are interested in. There's nothing in the scriptures that says you can't tell them that you're interested in them if you see that they're a good potential match. Now, don't be weird about it. Like, There's a way in, being in of being too intentional and getting a little too intense. Like, don't creep them out. You know, muster up some confidence. Get the best game that you got. And then ask, ask them out. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, be decisive about it. Like, know what you want and go for it. It's the first way that we can date decisively. And and then, another way that we date decisively, it means only dating one person. Okay, and this is gonna be for some of you. If you're dating more than one person and you're a Christian single, you need to stop. You need to communicate clearly with every single person involved, and you need to date what I would suggest None of them. Because you might need to take a step back and go back to the dating with discernment and discern whether you're ready to date to marry. And I say that out of love and kindness because if you're not ready to marry and you're dating multiple people, you're just gonna, it's just gonna be devastating for you and the people that you date. So date decisively means dating only one person. And then finally, dating decisively, it means to define the relationship early on. If you're dating, you either need to be moving towards marriage or you need to be moving on. Like, there's no holding pattern in dating as a Christian. That helps no one. I think one of the most devastating things that I see on the dating scene is that when a couple, when, they, when they're dating, and they've, they've been dating for, for five years and they live together and they're just in this holding pattern and they're not moving in any direction. And it's devastating. They might not even say that out loud, but it's devastating. They're not moving towards one thing or another. They're just in a holding pattern, and they're just drifting and aimless. Clarity is kindness when it comes to dating. And so be clear. Date decisively. If that means that you need to ask someone out, that means that you need to not date, or if that means that you need to define the relationship, you need to do it. And so date with discernment, date discriminately, and date decisively. If it's really quality over quantity, then by the world's metrics, you might feel like you're falling behind. You might might feel like you're not putting yourself out there enough. Your friends might even tell you that you need to settle or that somehow it's your fault that you're alone. Look, that's a, that's a lie. It's a, it's a lie. Do not settle. Do not compromise on character, and you are not alone. If, if we believe what we believe, if we are in Christ, then no one is alone. There's no such thing as alone. You, you can't live alone in Christ, and you can't die alone in Christ. And I've heard someone say, oh, I'm just going to die alone. You cannot die alone in Christ. Jesus, he, he decided that a relationship with you, with, with me, with the world, was worth coming down to earth. Was worth dying on a cross, being raised to life for the forgiveness of sin, to be with us forever. Jesus made his intentions clear from the start. He wants to be with you and with me. That is overwhelming and incredible and the good news of the gospel. That Jesus wants to be with us. So if you're single and on the dating scene, look, don't look for someone to save you. We have a Savior. If you're a Christian single, we're not dating to to identify with someone. Our identity is in Christ. Nothing and no one can complete you other than Jesus. Jesus is the only one that completes you. And look, whether you're single or not here, Jesus is the only one that can complete you. We all have like walking around with holes in our hearts, trying to, to figure out something to plug it with. Whether that's dating or your marriage or your kids or your job or money or sex or whatever it is, we're trying to plug it. And Jesus is the only one that can complete and fill it. I have found this to be true in my own life. And this is what the apostle Paul says in Ephesians 3. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. So here we go. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Another way to say that is that you will be complete. Complete. Whether you're single or married or young or old, Your identity is not in your relationship status. Your identity is rooted and established in Christ's love for you. It's rooted and it's established. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're happily married. I don't know if you're you're on the dating scene. I don't know if you're divorced or a single parent or your marriage is hanging on by a thread or if you feel like you're drowning as a new parent. I don't know where you're at, but I do know this. If we find our identity in anything other than Jesus, it will let us down and it will not satisfy. But if we put our hope and our trust and our identity in Christ and Christ alone, we will never be alone. You'll never be alone. That is a promise from Jesus. That is the promise that we see in scripture is that Jesus will never leave you alone. He wants to pursue you. And he loves you more than we can ever imagine. Because of what Christ has done, there's no such thing as a single Christian or a married Christian or a divorced Christian or a whatever, fill-in-the-blank Christian. There's only one Christian, and it is because our identity is in Christ Jesus. And he's worthy of all of it, and he's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our heart because he's the only one who can fill whatever hole that we have that we're trying to fill. And so again, I don't know where you're at today, but I know that Jesus will and wants to and desires to complete you. And if we trust him, if we give him our hearts and our lives, that he's worth it, that he's worth our our everything. So trust him today, whether that's a a, a, a refreshing or a remembering of that trust or whether for the first time You decide, I'm going to put my entire trust and my life in the hands and the person of Jesus Christ who came and died and rose again to save you and to save me. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful that you sent your son to live and to die. And to be raised to life so that we can find freedom and life in you. Lord, whatever we have put our hope and our trust in, Lord, may we return to you this morning. May we remember your goodness. May we remember that you alone make us whole. And out of that, we live with freedom and joy and hope and faith because you're worthy of all of it. So God, just work on our hearts this morning as we come to you and we remember your faithfulness is so much greater than anything we can ever imagine. So Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name, amen.